Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father, we just want to thank you, God, for your word. We we know the entrance of your word brings change, it brings illumination, it destroys yokes, it lifts burdens, it challenges us, it transforms lives. It does all that and more, Heavenly Father. We are grateful for your word. This sword of the Spirit that is our weapon against our adversary and his cohorts, O oh God. We say thank you, Heavenly Father. Breathe upon your word by your Spirit. Let it do all these things and more. Let it empower us for the journey ahead. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. We continue on our journey. Um, last week, uh, we, we talked about uh, the, the matching orders that God gave uh, uh, Joshua as the children of Israel continued on their journey into Canaan into God's promises. Uh, Moses was dead. Joshua was taking over leadership. And we learned some life lessons from the instructions that were given to Joshua. One of Joshua's first uh, assignments, one of the first things he did as a leader, is recorded in the second chapter of the book of Joshua, the book named after him. And it was to send out spies to spy the land much in the same way that Moses had sent out spies of which he was one of 12 to go and spy the land. I would love to read that whole chapter to you because it makes such interesting and riveting reading. Um, if you turn in your Bibles to Joshua, the second chapter, now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot, a prostitute named Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight, from the children of Israel to set out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to set out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, 
I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven and in heaven above and on the earth beneath. Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, Our lives for yours, if none of you tell the, this business of ours. And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Get to the mountain lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the streets, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath which you made us swear. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way, but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain and crossed over, and they came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Wonderful story captivating, riveting, and there are life lessons for us to learn from that story. If you want a title for today's message, the title is Qualified by Grace, for that is really what that story is about. Someone who is qualified 
by the grace of God. Let's learn some life lessons. Life lesson number one. God's grace overcomes anything that disqualifies you. The picture is very clear. It's graphic. The main character is chosen to drive home the point of grace qualifying you. You see, she's a prostitute, a harlot. She is living an immoral life. I am certain there is some shame that was attached to her life. There definitely would have been a stigma. Because you see, the society knew how she made her living. She sold her body for money. She would have probably been ostracized, kept at the fringes, not invited to certain things. No one would have wanted to associate with her and possibly her family. Those who came to see her would come under the cover of darkness to use her for their own pleasure and pay her for it. Yet in an act of grace, the two spies were directed by God to her house, to the home of a prostitute, a harlot, someone whose society had pushed to the fringes, judged and condemned, written off. But grace had singled her out because, you see, the spying mission was not really a spying mission like the one that had taken place where Joshua had been one of the 12 spies. Because this spine mission was not really about military strategy and it wasn't really a recce mission, some sort of reconnaissance of the land because they never really accomplished those purposes. They ended their mission at the home of the harlot or the prostitute without going into the land. So it makes it clear that that wasn't the real purpose. I dare say to you, that the whole purpose of that mission was so that grace could save Rahab and her family. What am I saying? I'm saying that God will do amazing things to be able to reach you and I. He has already done amazing things to reach us. He will reorganize things. He will create things. He will allow things. He will go so far because of his love for you and I and that how, that's the extent to which grace will go to reach you and I. This prostitute was saved by grace. Destruction was coming, as we will find out in the next few weeks, to the land. But grace had marked her out so that destruction would not be her portion. I want to say to you that grace has marked you out so that destruction will not be your portion. You are saved by grace, protected by grace, empowered by grace. You forge ahead by grace. This unmerited favor, we can't explain it. How did God decide that he was going to reach out to of all people in the land, the prostitute Rahab. It could only have been grace. And it's a picture uh, of, of the grace that has come our way and that has reached out to you and I 
and saved us, and not just saved us, but has continued to propel us towards God's plans, purposes, and, and His destiny for you and I. That grace. That's why the Bible would say in Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 4 and 5, and this is the Passion Translation, but God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, He united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by His wonderful grace. If you want something to thank God for every day, just remember that you have been saved. You have been taken away from destruction, the wrath of God. You have been saved from an eternity separated from God simply by grace. Number two, her works did not save her. And this is a continuation of number one. On the contrary, her works and her work disqualified her and condemned her. She was a prostitute. She lied to hide the spies. Whilst the Bible does not condone her lies in her culture, one giving over to immorality and idolatry, it was probably nothing to tell those lies. And the Bible doesn't condone it, but grace reaches into that pit to save her and qualify her. It was not because of her works that she was saved. It's important to understand that. We can't work our way into salvation. Salvation is an act of grace. It's given to you and I. Nobody earns it. That's the beauty of the Christian faith put against all the other faith that, faiths that I know. Because in the Christian faith, somebody else has paid the price. And all you have to do is receive the gift of salvation. That is the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, the first chapter and the ninth verse, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. She saw grace. We have seen the fulfillment of grace. From, from before we were born, it was God's plan to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. That's why it's a painful thing when this grace is offered and people spurn it. If there's someone listening or watching and you haven't opened up your heart to receive this grace of God, this unmerited favor that an awesome price was paid for in the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when, we, when I when I ask if you would, please would you open up your heart and receive this grace of God that is Christ into your life. And it's not just that grace saved us. It is that grace continues to sustain us. Lamentations 3 verse 22 to 23. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Everything we get is by this grace, this unmerited favor. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. None of us do. But grace 
this unmerited favor of God brings it our way. Number three, life lesson. Rahab's faith challenges us. We've said it many times. The currency of our kingdom is faith. There's just something about a person who trusts God that gets heaven moving on behalf of that person, especially where there are circumstances that are working against that person having that faith or that trust in God. There's just something about faith as you read the Gospels and see Jesus walking through the earth, the many encounters he has with so many different people, and how so many times he would give us the clue as to how heaven responds and comes to the rescue of, of people or comes to meet people at their point of need or brings a blessing to people's lives. We, he would give us the clue in how he mentions that it is their faith that triggered it, their trust in God that triggered it, the, the, the faith in their voice that stopped him in his tracks and made him attend to that person. It is the currency of our kingdom. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the 6th verse, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. That tells us that where there is faith, God is very pleased. More faith, God is more pleased. Much faith, God is much pleased. There is something about faith that pleases God. Where there is no faith, the Bible tells us, it is impossible to please God. He said, goes on to say, for he that comes to God must believe that God is, that the God of the Bible is God. We must believe that he's who he says he is. We must believe against all odds, against all circumstances, against all challenges and difficult situations. We must believe that the God of the Bible, the God that he presents himself as in his word to us, in his promise to us, that that God is, and that our, our pursuit of God is not in vain. Our commitment to God is not in vain. Our dedication to God is not in vain. That's not the kind of God we serve. That's a hard taskmaster. But this our God is a God of love. And so we must believe, as the scripture says, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You're, you're seeking him, your pursuit of him, your daily prayers, you're studying the word, you're waking up at night while others are asleep, you're carving out time in a world that is so busy. All those things just for God, just so you can know him and get closer to him, more intimate with him and his spirit and the person of, and the person of his son Jesus. The Bible says in that scripture that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Rahab's faith challenges us. For here was a prostitute who was living an immoral life. The last person you would think would have any faith in God. If you judged her by her life, you would have concluded that there's no way she could have any faith in God. But then listen to her words of faith. In Joshua, the second chapter, verses 9 to 11. She said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of, of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. 
and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. The Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth, the earth beneath. She had heard. She says, we had heard. We have heard. We have read. Our faith should be much more than hers. For this prostitute, this woman who had been written off, no one expected any good to come from her. She says, I have heard what your God has done. I have heard the antecedents of your God, how he has protected you. And what I have heard has touched my heart and has brought about a faith and a trust in your God. We have heard. We have read. We have had testimonies shared. We have read God's account of himself in his word. We should have that Rahab kind of faith. The Bible records her faith for us in Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the 31st verse. The Bible says, Faith provided a way of escape for Rahab the prostitute, avoiding the destruction of the unbelievers because she received the Hebrews' spies in peace. Faith worked for her because she trusted God. And you know, whilst her works did not save her, we understand that faith without works is dead. And so our, our works, whilst not saving us, will authenticate our faith. If you have faith, let's see the works. The works will show you that the faith is genuine. That's what the Bible says. And that was Rahab's testimony. As the Bible records in James, the second chapter and the 25th verse. And the same is true of the prostitute named Rahab, who was found righteous in God's eyes by her works, just like the patriarch of our faith, Abraham. For she received the spies into her home and helped them escape from the city by another route. Her works... Her actions commended her faith to God. May your actions commend your faith to our Father in heaven. May your actions show that you really are trusting God. You see, real faith, authentic faith, is marked by actions that commend the faith as being real and being genuine. Number four. I marvel at the extent she went, how far she went for her family to be saved. Listen to her as she pleads for her family. Joshua, the second chapter, verses 12 and 13. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token, and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. This woman challenges the church today. 
a woman we didn't expect would know shows that level of faith, but doesn't just stop there. She pleads and petitions that her family be saved from the destruction that is coming. I ask you as I ask myself, for Rahab's life challenges me. Are you pleading and petitioning the heavens that your loved ones, your family don't end up spending an eternity in a place that was not designed for them, separated from God? Are you pleading, understanding that there is a judgment coming? The wrath of God will be poured out. God will judge the world. Are you pleading and petitioning the heavens for the Spirit of God to touch the hearts of your loved ones so that they are not part, they don't partake of that judgment that is coming? Or are we so wrapped up in our own lives that we barely remember to pray for our loved ones? We act as if we don't know that come the end of life, there are only two destinations that a person goes to, heaven or hell. Are we concerned that it might seem that members of our family are on a fast track to hell, but we are busy pursuing the many things we pursue in life, and now and again we might remember to pray for them. We are not seized, possessed by the fact that we can't afford for our loved ones to spend an eternity in a place that was designed for Satan and his demons. Are you challenged by Rahab to ensure that you stay in the place of prayer so that your loved ones are spared the judgment and spared the wrath and spared an eternity in a place that was not designed for them but was designed as a holding place for Satan and his demons? The extent she went, I feel the passion of her plea as she begged Save my family. May God put a burden in our hearts for our loved ones. May we not allow the enemy to blind and, and deafen us so that we don't hear the prompting of the Spirit to pray for our loved ones. Number five. The man gave her an instruction. They said to her, Tie this scarlet cord, this crimson red cord, by your window. And when we get to the story, you will find out that that's what saved her. Everything else was destroyed, but her house built into the wall of the city, it was the only part of the wall that remained standing. We'll find that out. Interesting. This gets more interesting because of the scarlet thread and all those in the house were spared the judgment that came upon the nation, upon the city nation of Jericho because of that scarlet cord. She said to them in verses 17 and 18, the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours which you have made us swear unless when we come into the land you bind this 
line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your home. As long as they were in the home, they were spared the destruction. You and I know that this is a type and a shadow, this red cord of the precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A second type and a shadow, a similar type and shadow we saw in the Passover as they killed the lamb and dubbed the, lint, the, the, the lintels of their homes with the blood, the angel of destruction passed over. As destruction came into the, into the city-state of Jericho, as destruction came, the scarlet cord was the mark that destruction must pass over this home. We have the blood of Jesus Christ. As long as we are under the blood of Jesus Christ, we are bought with the blood, we are ransomed with the blood, then we are gods. He has paid a price for us. That, that destruction has to pass over you. It will pass over you because the blood makes sure that you are going to heaven. But I, I also believe that destruction in the now will pass over your homes because of the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans, the fifth chapter and the ninth verse, and there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. Can someone say amen to that? The scarlet cord, a symbol of the blood. It saved Rahab and her house. The blood has saved you from the wrath of God. And may the blood of Jesus be upon you and upon your home and save you from every destruction that is roaming the land in the name of Jesus Christ. Number six, life lesson number six. She believed those who promised. She believed the representatives of God. Verse 21. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. Oh God. May we get to the place where we say the same thing. The same uh, similar words that were spoken by the mother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when she was confronted with the impossible. The impossible was about to happen. She said, be it unto me, according to your words. I believe you, exactly what you have said. May that be our portion as we read the Bible, the word of God. May we say, according to this word, be it unto us. May we believe the word of God. May we believe what the Bible records for us in Numbers 23 verse 19, that God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? May we believe the word of God again. We need a church that believes the word of God. May the spirit of faith come upon us and give us the faith of the patriarchs to believe what God has said. May we against the circumstances believe the word of God. If God has spoken, may we hold on to it with faith. May we believe, she believed the representatives of God. We have the spirit of God breathing upon his word. We have to believe 
the Word of God. It is our belief in the Word of God that causes the Word of God to bear fruit. May the Spirit of God touch your heart as you read the Bible. May it not just be the letter. May it be the, the Spirit on the Word of God. May it seize your heart. May it move you. May it cause you to hold on and believe that what God has said will surely come to pass. And number seven, as I come to an end. If there's one thing that I marvel at, literally gobsmacked at, in this story of Rahab, it is what I'm about to tell you. Number seven, your future is bright. For here was a woman, worse off than most of us, living a most sinful life, condemned, an outcast, ostracized, carrying a stigma. Here was a woman who had no future, it would seem. Couldn't surely not have a destiny that was bright. She was a prostitute. She was selling her body. It could only have been downhill for her. After a while, she would be used and abused and cast aside like a broken toy. How could anyone have looked at this woman and thought any good could come from her? The world had condemned her. Her profession condemned her. But in heaven, God had qualified her. For we find that this same woman eventually is taken away and by the invading Israelites. The Jews take her away. She marries a prince of Judah. Unbelievable. What about her past, someone says? What about the shame? Didn't the prince know that she was marked, scarred, broken, wounded? I want to say to you that when God qualifies you, those things don't matter. My sister, I speak into your life and I say God is qualifying you today. And so those things don't matter. When God qualifies you, amazing things happen. The prince must have seen her and something was upon her because she was qualified by God and the prince of Judah marries her. But it just doesn't end there because that alone would have been cause for celebration. She's been restored, and I speak a restoration into your life today. I declare that the wounds are healed in the name of Jesus. The stigma is taken away today in the name of Jesus. The shame is taken away. No more tears, my sister. 
No more pain, my brother. God is doing a new thing. And part of that new thing is that he's qualifying you, not by your efforts, but by his grace. He's saying, yes, you made a mistake. Yes, it broke down. Yes, you dropped the ball. Yes, you failed. Yes, you did something that brought condemnation. But today, he sends me to tell you that he has chosen to qualify you by his grace. The most amazing thing is recorded for us in Matthew's gospel, the first chapter. For this same woman, a prostitute, a harlot, someone that would have been considered at the bottom rung of the ladder, the dregs of the earth, written off and condemned, ostracized and cast aside. That same woman meets the prince, his name Salmon, marries him, and she finds herself in the lineage of King David, restored. The great-great-great-grandmother somewhere of the king, the most famous praised, respected king of Israel, David. She's in his lineage. But you know what? It gets better. This God is an amazing God. If you want to choose people who are in the lineage of your son, Jesus Christ, surely, God, you could find the high and mighty, the educated, the sophisticated, the people who have no blemishes in their lives. They have no past. They are spotless. But you chose to take a woman who has a past, who was a prostitute, who has things that she was ashamed of, who was stigmatized, probably broken, marred, wounded. You take that woman and you put her in the lineage of your son, Jesus Christ. And you record it for us to send a message to us that we are not handicapped by where we are coming from. We are not barred by what we did. We are not prevented by the mistakes we made. The fact that my marriage broke up does not stop me from moving on and finding joy and happiness again. The fact that I come from a dysfunctional home, the fact that I did things that I am ashamed of, abominations that I committed, the fact that I have failed, the fact that I am wounded, the fact that I have scars that I can't even explain to anybody, the fact that I was a victim. The fact that I did things that I am ashamed of. None of those things and not any other thing stops us from being qualified because we are qualified by grace. And so the Bible records this for us in Matthew's Gospel, the first chapter. I just read verses 1 and 5. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. And I go on to verse 5. It, lists, it starts listing the record. 
But verse 5 says, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. And then it goes on, if you read it, to follow the genealogy until it arrives at Jesus Christ. What an amazing God. The world condemns. The world says you can't. The world says your past is barring you. The world says you're stigmatized. You might be broken, wounded. You're limping in life. But God says that's okay. I have chosen to qualify you by my grace. It's favor that you don't merit. Like Rahab, I've arranged everything so that you can have an encounter with grace. So that grace saves you and then grace puts you where you should be. Grace saved her from destruction with her family. But grace didn't just stop there. Grace took her and put her in the lineage of Christ. And so when we are talking about the lineage of our Lord and Savior, the Son of God, embedded there for us to see is Rahab. And I want to speak to someone's life. I feel led to do this. You are single and you are believing God for a life partner. You feel like time has really gone. Will it happen? You're wondering how. I just feel led to do this. I don't know how Rahab met Salmon. You're out there and you think there are things that disqualify you from meeting your Salmon, your Prince of Judah. I want to pray for you especially today as I pray for others who are stigmatized or condemned or are carrying something else that the enemy is saying to them stops them from being qualified. I declare that you're all qualified by grace. Specifically now, I join my faith with yours. You're believing God for a life partner. Not a life partner just so that you can say, yes, I am married. But you understand the principle that really it's all about God's plan and God's agenda. You're saying, God, give me a life partner. Together, we will multiply our service to you. We will together encourage each other to serve you. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray, O oh God, that as your daughter, your son, receives this word into their hearts, that, Father, you will miraculously bring their own salmon, their own life partner, Heavenly Father, their paths will cross, O oh God. As they hold on, Father, may this word prosper in their lives, O oh God. May they have a testimony. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ that a door is opening for you. I declare to you that a revelation is coming, that, 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 that blinkers are being taken off someone's eyes, that a meeting is being arranged, an encounter, a phone call. I don't know how it's going to happen. I'm not sure how Rahab's happened, but it did happen. And may you have Rahab's testimony. I declare to you that is your portion in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, all those, O oh God, who the enemy has told, they are disqualified. I declare, Father, by this word, the sign and wonder that will follow it is that revelation will come to your children that they are qualified by grace. They will do what you have purposed they should do to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You are qualified by grace. And if there's anyone out there 
who hasn't received this grace. This grace is embodied in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can't be qualified if you haven't received him. Uh, but today we, we have a wonderful opportunity for you to do so. You ask me, what do I have to do? You just simply have to open up your heart and by faith say these words that I will encourage you to say. Will you say them after me? You want to receive the grace that is Jesus into your life. You want to be qualified by that grace so that you can go on to fulfill God's plans. Will you say this after me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the grace that is available to me today. I receive your son Jesus into my life as my Lord and Savior. I give my life to him. I commit to being obedient to you, to your son, to your word. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. I declare that by this prayer, I am now a child of yours, born again into your family. I receive this grace in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Simple as that. If you meant every word, then you have been transported into God's family. You're now a child of God. Hallelujah. We celebrate you. We celebrate you as you join God's family. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, you are qualified by grace. God bless you. 